The following sermon is brought to you by Capital Community Church, located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Capital Community Church is a people awakened to a holy God. If you are searching for a new church home, or from out of town looking for a church to worship with, or simply seeking for answers, please join us for worship at 10.45 a.m. every Sunday morning and 6 o'clock p.m. for our evening service. If you have any questions, please email us at info at We pray this sermon will help you grow deeper in your walk with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning again to you, and Happy New Year again. You know, I am, um, just personally speaking, I don't think there could be a, a better way to be able to kick off the new year than to be with the people of God. Amen. And to be able to start a new year fresh in God's word and to be able to be in gospel-centered community and to come together like this. I really do think it's special. And I know Grant mentioned it last Sunday that, or a couple Sundays ago, that I think the next time this will happen where the Lord's Day will fall on Sunday, or Christmas will fall on the Lord's Day, I think it's another decade or so from now, is that right? 11 years. So, um, and I'll just get better looking in 11 years, so who knows what you'll get to see. And so, that's a joke. If you're a guest here, that's a joke. And, but nonetheless, what a special time to be able to kick off on, on the Lord's Day in this new year. And you know, I don't know if, if you're like me, but whenever you come to the new year, you always feel that you are in some pregnant, halfway in between time zone, don't you? And what I mean by that is because whenever you come to the new year, when the 31st is, is rushing to your attention, you always live in this in-between on the one side of the coin looking at the previous year. You look back on 2022, whether for ill or for good, the highs and the lows, good experiences, bad experiences, situations that maybe you were put into that, were to grow, that, that grew your spiritual life. And then on the other side of the coin, you're always forced to look ahead and you're going to look to 2023. And I think it's just a part of our just common culture, especially living in uh, the United States of America, where I feel like the goal, the resolution, the mindset to, to grow and to improve comes faster every single end of the year. And it doesn't take long, probably if you're like me, that when it comes close to the 30th, the 31st, those resolutions begin to pop up in your mind. And you think about them. And it doesn't take long, whether it's, you know, the, the common ones that we see, maybe it's time management, maybe it's better health, maybe it's to improve your, uh, your money management, those are always the same. But if you are a Christian, and that's a big if, but if you are a Christian, the call to improve, the call to grow is an everyday occurrence for you and I. It's an everyday occurrence. Now, I'm not saying that resolutions are a bad thing. Don't hear me say that, because a lot of them, in, in the end, are good. But the call for the Christian, it's an everyday calling for us. Paul in Philippians 3 reminds us, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward to what lies ahead, excuse me, I press under the goal of the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus. Even in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, remember, he uses the illustration as, as an athlete preparing to run a race. And so we are always striving to grow as a Christian. And why is that? It's our biblical mandate. The Lord is working and transforming within our hearts to be made more in the image of Christ. 
Every single day, he is sanctifying within us sinful and and lustful desires, purging us from those evils so that in the one day, we can be prepared to meet King Jesus in perfection. So sanctification, it's an everyday occurrence for us. We're always called to strive and to always go forward and grow in our Christian life. But here's the thing that sometimes pops its ugly little head. And it's something that we don't want to talk about as, as believers. It's anxiety. Anxiety. If you are honest with yourself, and before the Lord most importantly, I think all of us can attest that we have been anxious before. Maybe you fight against the sin of anxiety on a daily basis. Or maybe the Lord, through his sovereign will, has put you in a season of suffering and hardship where you find even in this moment, even right now, you're going through a season of anxiety. You're going through a season of worry. It happens. And where we are in our time in the Word this morning is a passage of Scripture right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount that I believe will help us to prepare for the new year. Because anxiety, as we are going to read in Matthew chapter 6, and by the way, if you're not already there, please go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. What we find in the Lord Jesus Christ's teaching right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is anxiety is not a matter of if, but when it happens. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably would raise our hands more frequently than we want to admit to say, I'm probably anxious throughout the week. Maybe every single day you fight this battle. You feel it within your chest of being of fighting against anxiety. And where we are in the Sermon of the Mount is this is the greatest sermon ever preached by the Lord Jesus Christ. And to give you a context of where we are is here's Jesus' teaching to, the, to mainly the context of to the disciples. And what he's teaching is what Christian kingdom character looks like. It is a picture of the righteous life to which every disciple should aspire to. What Jesus is doing is he's bringing actually the Old Testament and helping us to learn how to apply it in today's times. So if you were to start in Matthew 5 or even in portions in the Gospel of Luke, you would see that there are very familiar Old Testament teachings that Jesus is fast-forwarding into today and, and wanting to look through the lens of his life. And that's how we are able to apply him today. Because if you look in the Sermon on the Mount, you see biblical attitudes, also known as Beatitudes, how to fight lust, the calling against divorce, the Lord's prayer, fasting, how to treat one another, and so much more. Let me say it another way. What Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is a kingdom ethic. It's a kingdom of God ethic. And right here, nestled right in the middle of his sermon, where, is where Jesus is teaching on anxiety. But what Jesus does here in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to go ahead and give you this nugget already. What Jesus does is that in order for us to live this kingdom mindset, in order to live a kingdom of God ethic, it has to start here in the heart. Jesus is going directly to the heart. How do we not lust? It's a heart issue. How do we obey the golden rule? It's a heart issue. How do we have these beatitudes? It's a heart issue. 
The Lord Jesus has to transform and change our hearts, has to change our desires. And that's what has to happen when you and I face and battle up against this ugly little thing called anxiety. And so Jesus goes directly to the heart of the issue, and already I'm giving you this. I'm like like your favorite teacher back in high school. I'm already giving you the answer. Because the heart of the issue is the heart of the problem, and it's right here. And that's where we have to get to this morning. So this morning what I want us to do is I want to look at three brief points for us in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 25 through 34. And what I want to do this morning is I want to go and look at it and honor Scripture. And I want us to see how the Lord Jesus teaches us why we're not to be anxious. Our first point that we're going to be looking at this morning, and you know you don't, you don't have an outline. You're going to actually have to use, it's called a pencil. And what you do is you can write on paper. And it's a joke, guys. Come on. You're spoiled. Grant and I give you filet mignon every week. But, but, but I want to give you three points for you to write down this morning. And the first point is the command not to worry. Number two, what we're going to see in verses 26 through 32 is where you're going to see how all of life is provided by the Father. All of life is provided by the Father. And then number three, we are going to see the remedy. Kingdom living remedies our hearts from anxiety. Kingdom living living remedies our hearts from anxiety. So if you will, if you're not already there, listen along with me. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Listen along with me in God's word. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word, if you will. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. And let's just prepare our hearts to have the word applied to our lives. Bow your heads with me. Eternal Lord and Heavenly Father. Lord, we are here in another day. Another year. January 1, 2023. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for sustaining us by your grace and your mercy. I pray, Lord, this morning, teach us through your word. Father, I couldn't think of a better text that you have laid upon my heart to be able to walk together with the people of God than to walk through how you forbid us to be anxious. Lord, in this new year, with the many dreams, ambitions, resolutions, big decisions, 
all the things and more that are coming to head as we head into 2023. Help us to see in your word that you call us to trust, not in ourselves, but in you. Teach us, O Lord, through your word. And we pray all these things in Christ's good name. Amen. Look with me in the Bible. Our first point, if you want to write this down again, is number one, the command not to be anxious. The command not to be anxious. Look with me starting in verse 25. Jesus starts off by saying, therefore, and what he's doing there is he is recalling the previous verses that he has just been teaching on. If you were just to look up above in verses 19 through 24, you will see Jesus teaching his disciples that we are called to not delay ourselves up treasures on earth, but in heaven, that where your eye is cast, that's where your body and your mind is going to follow, and that no one can serve two masters. Let me dumb it down those verses for us. What Jesus is teaching is that your heart does not need to be divided. Now, if you've got your pen and paper out, I want you to write those two words down because that's exactly as what the heart of the issue is when you are anxious. Your heart is divided. So write those two words down because we are going to see those again pop up within the sermon. But that's what happens. A heart is divided. When you are going to serve two masters, you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. And so when you think about a heart that is divided, you realize pretty quickly that a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. Division creates disorder. And when something is divided, the ground is shaky. You don't have a good firm footing underneath you. And that's where we see Jesus is going directly to the heart of the issue. And that's why you're anxious. Your heart is divided. And if it's divided, then that means you're not able to obey the faithful commands that Christ has been teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. It's that simple. Let me say it in another way. What you treasure in your heart, you are going to worship. What you are treasuring, what you are worshiping, is what your heart has its sole desire set upon. And it's that simple. And what Jesus is depicting for us already in verse 25 is that is the, the sin that is taking place with anxiety. And then he goes on a little bit further. He says, I tell you, do not. Verse 25 is worth stopping on because it is an explicit command from our Lord. He says, I do not. It's a command not to be anxious. And why am I pulling out this in the text? You might be saying to yourself, well, Kenny, of course it's a command. But sadly, what we have done in the evangelical church and in the Christian church, but also in the greater world around us, is that we have condoned anxiety and worry to be in every single day mindset. When I was preparing for this sermon, I was amazed to read article after article just condoning that it's okay to be anxious. It's not okay to be anxious. I was reading one article in particular how during COVID there has been just a, a, a plethora of anti-anxiety medicine being, de, being prescribed by doctors left and right. But in the same article I was reading, the same article, doctors were finding out that it's not working. Why is it not working? Because when you look at into the text, it's a heart issue. You are anxious because your heart is setting its mind on things where Jesus says where moth and rust are going to destroy. Now, I know that may be a hard pill to swallow. 
And I know that's not very sometimes nice to hear, especially in this day and age, but you can't get mad at me. You got to get mad at Jesus. That's the beauty of the text. Because Jesus is going directly to the heart of the issue and calling what anxiety is, calling a spade for a spade. It's sin. It's sin when we are being anxious and are worrying ourselves and being burdened so much that we are being anxious and can't see the next foot in front of the other. Here's something we need to look at when we are talking about anxiety. This is, it is the worry is the antithesis of the practical trust in God. And that's why Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, is telling us not to worry. It is a command. Look with me in verse 25. The word anxious here in the Greek is the word miramano, which it means to be distracted or to be, again, divided. You see that word again? We see this idea of being distracted or divided in other parts of Scripture. Look with me in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Despise is a root word from this word of anxiety of Miramano. If you have your Bibles open, flip over to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, just briefly for a moment. And you will see in Luke chapter 10 this idea of being distracted or being divided. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, the famous dialogue between Jesus and Mary and Martha, the story. Now they came into the way, here comes Jesus entering the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. This is in 39, Luke 10, 39. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve alone? Tell her to come to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Notice a couple of words that we've already heard already in the text. First, Jesus says in verse 40, she's distracted. Then he says that she's anxious and troubled in verse 41. Anxious and troubled. That's what we see here. But what often takes place when we are anxious? We think for just a moment that since in those eternal sins, internal sins, excuse me, that no one can see. But what we forget, as Jesus is obviously exposing in the text, is that we have sinned not, even though we think no one can see, who can see? God. We've sinned against a holy God. Remember what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 16, 17, for my eyes are all their ways, they are not hidden from me. Their iniquity is, con is not concealed from my eyes. God sees all. He knows all. And even though we think no one can see our anxiety or the worries that have been buried and in, in, in are deep within our heart, the reality is this. It's sin, and God sees it, and we need to confess it immediately. But we see this command not to be anxious in other parts of Scripture as well. I know a lot of you Christians in here may be thinking about the famous passage in where? Philippians chapter 4, where Paul tells us in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, when he says anything, I think he's talking about anything. And so the reality is this, that may be a hard, another hard pill to swallow, but that's the reality of the context where we are as a Christian. We are not to be anxious about certain things. We are not to be anxious about anything. But the reality that always pops up, when we do get worry, 
when we do are worried about those things, what we don't, what we fail to realize as Christians, nothing, nothing comes from us. All is given from above. Every give gift is from above. Second Peter chapter two. Verse 1 reminds us, his divine power has granted all things to pertain to life and godliness. All things are given to us by God. All things. So those things that we are worried about, those things that we are going to address here in just a moment that Jesus gets to, they're not from us. They're from him. And it's a humble reminder, why should we even worry about those things if we can't, if we can't create them? If we, if, we, if, we, if we know that God within our, deep within the recess of our heart, they all come from him, why worry about it? Because then when you look in verse 25, look how Jesus goes even deeper within the issue. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you would drink, nor about your body or what you put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. What's Jesus getting to? See those words, is not life more than food? Jesus is teaching his disciples, those things that you are carried, that you are worried about, I don't necessarily want you to cast your mind upon. What Jesus is getting to is I am more concerned about your heart, your soul, your life. That's what Jesus is concerned about. And that's what we see in verse 25. Jesus is saying, yes, these are necessities, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the soul. Our minds, yes, they quickly jump to those temporal issues. Things like clothing, things about our body, things about what we put on and what we drink. But Jesus is saying, I don't want you to cast your mind there. I don't want you to be anxious about those things. What I am more concerned about is how you are walking in your life, your character, your conduct, your heart. Now, you may be thinking, is the Lord not concerned about those, that major health issue, that financial issue? What about that big decision? Of course he is. But when we are burning in our hearts, so much that we have lost sight of who God is, that's where Jesus says, that's where we've gone wrong. That's where we've missed the mark. And that's when we are in sin. Jesus is concerned about all those things. But more importantly, he's concerned about where our heart is abiding. Which then leads us to verse 26 and into our second point. Because Jesus then describes and compares three areas of our life that cover everything. And we will see that they are food, body, and time, which now leads us to our second point. So we've now seen the command not to worry. And now the second point, if you want to write this down, is that all of life is provided by the Father. All of life is provided by the Father. So there is no need to be anxious. Look with me in verse 26. The first example that Jesus gives are the birds. Have you ever taken a moment and watch the birds lately? It's pretty humbling, isn't it? Seriously. If you just take a moment, look outside your window, maybe on your front porch, your backyard, and just take a moment to look at what the birds are doing. You don't see them asking around, hey, Larry, where's the best seed in town? You don't see them knocking at your door in the, in, in the, in the, in the end of the day and asking, hey, Kenny, by chance, you got any seed I can store up for the rest of the night? No. 
This humble example of the birds that Jesus is pointing to is that even with the simplicity of the birds hitting the ground in the morning, flying from tree to tree, getting straw to straw, the Heavenly Father provides for even them. He's not saying that he supernaturally provides for them, by the way. He's saying that they have to go after it and work, which also helps us to see that Jesus is not condemning proper planning and work. We're called to work. We're called to plan. We're called to save. Those are good and godly ambitions. But what Jesus is not saying here is that we are not to go about worrying frantically and think that the God is not going to provide for the practical provision of this day and the next day and the day after that. But what Jesus is painting for us in verse 26 is more importantly a picture of our Heavenly Father providing for his children. That's what he more, more of us wants to see this morning. Because he even says the question and the tail end. And when we see in verse 26, are you not more value than they? Are we more valuable than the birds? Yes, we are. And we see this in just a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 10 when he says, are, new, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, are you, you are more value than many sparrows. The heavenly Father loves to provide for us. And also should show us that you matter to God. You matter to God. Your life matters to God. The things in your life are given to you by the Father. And so what Jesus is painting for us in verse 26 is this picture of the, one of the attributes of our holy God. He provides for his, our children. Jesus is also taking us back to the Garden of Eden. Even before the fall, Adam and Eve had everything and more that they can even think to imagine was provided by the Father. Think about it. They got to walk with God in the cool of the day. But even fast forward, just a chapter in chapter 3 when the fall happens. Yes, the labor will be intensive. Yes, hard work will come to Adam's hands. But God continues to provide grace for Adam and Eve, provides for them clothing, and for them to continue to live. It's fast forward a thousand years, the clothes on your back, the air in our lungs, and God continues to provide for his creation. His creation to which he said is very good. And this is what Jesus wants us to see. And, it can't, and I can't say it enough, the picture of our heavenly Father providing for us. You could write this down if you would like, but I'm going to break down this word for us, this idea of provide, for you to get a better glimpse of the heavenly Father providing for us. The word provide is coming from the word of providence, that if you were to break it in half or cut it in half, you would see the word pro which in the Latin has come to mean to be forward or on the behalf of. And vide, V-I-D-E, is the Latin word to see. It means to supply what is needed, to give support. It also means when you look at it within the Greek text, it is mean to come, come that God provides and sustains and governs the entire universe. That's the picture we see in verse 26. Everything is sustained and governed by our Lord. So look with me in verse 27. Let's look with our other example. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now Jesus moves into time. 
When we worry, we think we are gaining ahead and beating the clock. But what Jesus says we are doing is, in fact, we are wasting time. If you're like me, you don't like to waste anything, especially time, because we can't get it back. And what Jesus boils down in verse 27 is when we are anxious, though we think we are getting ahead, we, in fact, we are doing nothing but losing and wasting time. Time is so important. It's the most valuable commodity that you and I have. But here's also the reminder. Every single moment that we have to live on this earth is all governed by God. Every single day of our life is given to us by the Lord. He knows the exact moment that we will either perish or maybe he will return before we are to die. But every single moment, every single minute is ordained by our holy God. Job 14 5 reminds us of this. He says, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Whether we like it or not, even though we, you may be a picture of health and managing your time and your finances, it doesn't matter. God has ordained your days on this earth. And so instead of wasting it, what Jesus is teaching us in verse 27, we are called to redeem it. We are called to cherish it. We are called to obey other kingdom characteristics that we see in the Sermon on the Mount. And as well as on this side of the cross and have the full canon of Scripture, we are called to obey all the words that we see within Scripture. We are called to pray without ceasing. We are called to live peaceful and quiet lives. We are called to also enjoy this life that God has given to us. Yes, it's riding down the road and letting the, the cool air hit our face. It's listening to George Jones. It's listening to Conway Twitty. It's those types of things. It's watching Lonesome Dove and remembering that's how you're learning how to do life. That's out of the Bible, of course. But all those things God wants us to enjoy instead of wasting time. But here's what I want to give you. I'm going to give you another nugget for free this morning. If you look at that word anxious, I want you to write on your outline or your piece of paper that letter right in the middle of, anx of anxious or anxiety. It's the letter I. And I'm going to give you this because this is what happens. And this is what we see a point of application in verse 27. When you and I are being anxious about something, we live in the cone of isolation. And that's why I wanted you to circle that letter I. We think when we are anxious and we are worried that we are doing ourselves a favor, that we are gaining, we are trying to strive ahead in some way, shape, or other. But in what we what we don't realize has happened is we have entered that cone of isolation and we are isolating ourselves from others, from fellow believers, from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but most importantly, we are isolating ourselves from the Lord. That's what takes place when we are being anxious. We begin to play the what-if game, which is always a lose-lose game. All those a thousand different scenarios rush into our minds. We begin to think about this and we think about that. We think we are manipulating time, but in fact, we've lost it. We've lost wasted time that God has given to us. And that's the danger of living in that cone of isolation. We think we can add to our time? No. We've squandered it. 
And that's what Jesus is pointing for us in verse 27. Look with me now as he moves on to his third and final example in verses 28 through 30. He now moves in to clothing. He takes the flower. Even though it's beautiful and it's lavished on so much, and, and Catherine and I were, when we were in Virginia earlier this year, we went to this beautiful uh, rose garden, and even just walking in this rose garden, and even in, maybe in your backyard, you have a beautiful backyard, and it doesn't take long to see a beautiful flower and to realize, man, that is, it's amazing God put so much detail behind a flower like that. It doesn't even come close to what Jesus is wanting us to see beyond the beauty of the flower, beyond even Solomon's wealth. Jesus is wanting us to see God provides and you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about the clothing that you have and the possessions that you are constantly striving over with some sort of worry. R.T. France, a biblical commentator here in the Gospel of Matthew, says it best. If God creates with, with such extravagant and loving care, like a flower, something which is destined to an ignoble end, his care for his higher creation from man may confidently be expected to be so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I want you to see this morning, is the care and the provision of the Lord in your life. That's what I want us to see this morning. The care of his higher creation can be expected to be so much more. Never forget that. But what we see Jesus does is he, he sticks the knife a little bit further, goes in a little bit deeper with that finger within our, to the issue. And there in verse 30, look with me to the heart of it. Oh, you of little faith. This is the heart of the issue. Oh, you of little faith. When you and I are anxious, we're faithless. It's faithlessness that Jesus is getting to in verse 30. Everything in chapter 6 almost comes to a head here in verse 30. Because if you don't have faith, you're not going to give to the needy. If you are not walking in faith, you're not going to pray, as we see in the Lord's Prayer. If you are not walking in faith, you're not going to fast, and you're definitely not going to lay up for yourself treasures here on, on earth versus in heaven. It's faithlessness. And Jesus goes on a little bit further to describe what it looks like to have faithlessness. Look at these questions that he asks. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? In verse 31, what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek her off these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What does is, what is a Gentile and faithlessness have in common? Well, to this point, the Gentiles don't know the gospel. And so, of course, they're walking around aimlessly, not knowing that their Heavenly Father provides for them. That's the connection we see here. But more importantly, what we see at the heart of it all is that Jesus is getting to the issue that you don't have faith in the Lord. That's pretty hard, isn't it? It's pretty hard. Especially when you come to the new year, 2023. The emotions, the excitement of wanting to start off the new year to be able to kick it off with a brand new start. And I hope that you do. I hope you do have that excitement to want to grow and to improve upon. But the reality is this. If anxiety 
is just so riddled within your heart, there's no way you're going to be able to achieve those goals. There's no way you're going to be able to strive ahead and to achieve the upper call in Christ Jesus like we heard in Philippians chapter 3. There's no way. Because the issue is you don't have faith in God to provide. And this is the danger that we see in this, these four little words here. Excuse me, these five little words of OU of little faith. Martin Luther called in this, in verse 30, the danger of this, the assault. He called it the, the ad function. And that's exactly what takes place because as Martin Luther described, the assault takes place and we lose sight on the path of faith that we are called to live according to the commands of Christ. If you were to look into a German dictionary, don't understand why you would, I did. Pretty interesting to do. But when you see anxiety described by the Germans, they also describe it as a choking out. A choking out. I think that's what exactly what happens when we are anxious. The faith that we have in knowing our Lord provides is being choked out, being snuffed out by anxiety. But what we also don't realize, and here are the warnings we have to see from Scripture. Scripture also tells us that when we are going to worry, it's probably also going to lead to a whole host of other sins, whether we realize it or not. A couple of years ago, in the evening service, we walked through the Ten, a Ten Commandments sermon series. And in the Ten Commandments sermon series, we, we realized that when you begin to replace one of the commandments, a domino effect begins to take place, and you are probably going to break other commandments, especially if you replace the first commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 reminds us, you shall have no other gods, what? Before me. When you replace God with something you are worried about, I guarantee you, you're going to build a false idol, you're going to dishonor your parents, you're going to lie, you're going to steal, you're going to covet. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what takes place when you begin to worry. When you're anxious, you isolate yourself, remember that we talked about, someone comes up to you, kidding, what's going on? You're not yourself, oh, I'm fine, you've lied. In your internal mind that's going, that's rushing at a thousand miles per hour, you begin to think for a moment, I'm okay, I'm good, but then that slow anxiety creeps into another ugly different direction. You begin to get angry, you begin to covet. It's the same application we see here. And that's the danger that we find ourselves. And I cannot stress this even more this morning for us, especially within the new year. If you're anxious over something, confess it as sin to Christ today, because he is just and faithful to forgive, but also as we see, he is just and faithful to help you to rid yourself of this sin and the sin of anxiety. Be honest with the Lord today. Pray like Mark does in Mark 9.24, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Be honest before the Lord if you are riddled with anxiety within your heart. Because here is the reality. You cannot walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the same time believe that it's going to sustain us. You can't do it. That's hypocritical. Because now you're making a mockery of the grace and the mercy that God has extended to us. But what Jesus is unfolding before our eyes this morning in Matthew chapter 6 is that no matter the fear, no matter the fear of the future, 
no matter the fear of the big decision, the big, the health issue that you feel like is, is just knocking at your door, God knows, God cares, and you can trust him through it all. I'm going to give you another picture, a beautiful picture, I think, of the Heavenly Father providing for us. You can flip there with me. It's in the Old Testament to give you just a better picture of our Lord providing for us. And this is in the Minor Prophets in Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17. It's a, I want to just give you another beautiful picture of our Lord providing for us. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. This God is in our midst now. When two or three are gathered, there the Lord is. And you think about Yahweh, to think about a holy God singing over us with loud singing, exulting over us. Don't you think for one second that he's going to provide for us? But look at even a greater picture than that. Think about our salvation. Think about the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus, that God sent forth his son, Jesus, that we celebrated just a week ago, that God sent forth Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to seek and to save the lost, who saved a wretch like you and me, that by faith in Christ, we're able to obey this Sermon on the Mount. We're able to walk in this marvelous light and to be able to live a life that is redeemable, to live a life of faith and to be able to see that we are not here by ourselves, that we have the God Almighty guiding us every single step of the way. Friends, if you are here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I beg you, I beg you this hour, call on Christ as Lord and Savior today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you feel right now in your heart you're anxious about your eternal state, what happens, what's going to happen to you if you die, I beg you with everything in me, please call on the name of the Lord today and to be saved. Do not go out these doors without confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. But here's the other reminder. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus does not want us to be anxious. The Lord does not want us to be anxious. We see this picture of the Heavenly Father providing for us in other texts as well. Even out of Zephaniah chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, all things? Jesus is concerned with the heart and a heart that is divided, a heart that is distracted like Martha is not going to be able to trust in the Lord for the next day and the next day, and the next day. A heart to divide it cannot stand on truth. And a heart to divide it is ultimately sin. And what we see from Scripture is we need to confess it, and we need to get right with the Lord if we are battling anxiety, and to know that He cares for us, 
because here is where we get the remedy. This is our third and final point. So the first point we saw is a command not to worry. The second, to see that the Father provides everything for life. And the third point, kingdom living remedies our hearts from being anxious. It remedies our heart from being anxious. Look with me in verses 33 and 34. What's the remedy? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Here's a couple of notes. First, we have to see that this seeking first the kingdom, it's not seeking anything man-made. It's eternal. It's it's seeking the attributes of God. That's number one. And number two, it has to come with a first-focused mindset. It's first. Seeking the kingdom of God has to come above everything else in your life. Now, I know that can be hard. If you're like me, you make mistakes. You strive and you fall again and you fall again. But by the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of our Lord, we can pick up and we can keep going. But here's the reality that we see in verse 33. We are called to seek the kingdom of God with everything that we have. We are called to walk not with a blind faith, but with a bold faith and a confident faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we see in verse 33. And that's what's going to remedy our hearts from anxiety. A lot of you know that I love history. I've said it before, I I love even military history. And I was reading a a biography a couple of years ago on uh, General George S. Patton. I know, listen, Patton is not um, the epitome of, um, let's just say this, he's a man's man. I'll leave it that way. But one of the great uh, lines that I love from Patton is his great D-Day speech, his his pre-D-Day speech that he has. And Patton right before when they're going to storm the beaches of Normandy, it says this to his guys. You are here today for three reasons. First, because you're here to defend your homes and your loved ones. Second, you were here for your own self-respect because you not want to be anywhere else. Getting ready to storm the beaches of Normandy. Third, you were here because you're a real man and all real men like to fight. Don't you love that? He goes on a little bit further with his speech. My men don't surrender. And I don't want to hear of any soldier under my command being captured unless he has been hit. Listen to this. But even if you are hit, you can still fight back. Don't you love that? It gives me goosebumps to think about that. To win the war against anxiety, we have to have that single focused on the kingdom of God. That's what's going to remedy our hearts from being anxious. So let me give you three brief points of application to sum up our time to help you fight against anxiety and to be able to have this kingdom of God, this first kingdom of God focused mindset. We do this by number one, we understand our place in light of the gospel. We understand our place in light of the gospel. How do we do this? It starts off, go back to the Gospel of Matthew, if you haven't flipped back over there from Zephaniah. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. We start off this by being poor in spirit. Verse, chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit is not a negative position. What it means is that we know that we cannot save ourselves. It all, God has to save us. And when we realize that we can't save ourselves and that the gift of salvation comes only through Christ alone, 
then we are then a humble and contrite person, like it says in Isaiah chapter 66, and that is the one to whom the Lord will look to. So we understand our position. We understand, like John 15 says, apart from you, we are nothing. Everything we have is because of Christ. Everything we have is because of Christ. And so we have to understand that we cannot save ourselves. It's all because of the Lord that we are even here today and able to worship. Number two, we are to obey the word, to get into the word, and to pray diligently. To, to get into the word and to pray diligently. Again, in the Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How can we hunger and thirst for righteousness? It's by getting into the word of God. You know, ladies and gentlemen, so often, especially as Americans, we love to have that feeling of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. We love being able to add on 10 different things to make us feel that we've accomplished something. But what the simple reality is this. Getting in the Bible is what we need. We don't need 15 steps. We don't need to pick up another self-help book. We need the Bible and getting into the Bible. And that is being de- having a dedicated time every single day to get into the Word of God. And like Martin Luther says, letting the Word do the work in your heart, transforming you into the image of Christ. John 4, 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what Jesus does. Obey the Lord. Obey the, the word. George Mueller, one of my favorite quotes ever. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. Pretty convicting, isn't it? We have to get into the Bible. Because the reality is this. When suffering and hardship come, how are we able to quote Psalm 23, verse 4? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for are you with me? What about being anxious about a big decision? Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. What about fear of the future? Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not that hard. Pick it up and we read it. Get into the word. Rinse and repeat. And then also we need to pray. You look at the application In order for us not to be anxious, one of the remedies for us to do it is to follow the Lord's prayer. We see this idea of daily getting in prayer in chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Praying for the day-to-day of the providence of God. And number three, to close our time, we have to trust in the providence and the sovereignty of God. God knows all in the past and in the future. There's nothing that takes them by surprise. All things are governed by the Lord. He is sovereign over all. And for the Christian, we need to take great peace in that truth. Trust in, even in the hard times, 
we know that all things are working together for the good of his will. Even the good times, we can trust in the Lord. So we have to trust in his sovereignty, no matter what comes our way. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do serve and know a sovereign Lord who ordains all things and also knows the next million tomorrows. So let me close with this. How can we have this peace? How can we remedy ourselves from anxiety? It's living in the kingdom of God. Living, with the king, living in the kingdom of God, excuse me, of these attributes that Jesus has described to us. It's living with this first focused mindset of seeking first the kingdom with everything that we have. It's knowing that Jesus is with us every single step of the way. It's knowing that we have seen over and over and over again the Heavenly Father providing for us also every single step of the way. My prayer for you, my prayer for me in this new year is that we will not lose sight of the things that the Heavenly Father is doing for us and will do for us. Is it easy to remedy ourselves from anxiety? No. When anxiety comes, is it hard to shake it off? Of course it is. Of course it is. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that. But take heed. We can take peace in knowing that the Lord is caring for us and that we can trust in him no matter the season that we are going to. And just like the great hymn does and reminds us of turn your eyes upon Jesus, and when we do, the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, all of us have been guilty before, some way, in shape, or form, guilty of anxiety. So Lord, I, I pray if some of us are in this room, just, just have anxiety in, in the forefront of our minds, I pray, help us to confess it to you now and confess it as sin before you. Lord, if someone is anxious about their, their eternal state, Kenny, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. I want to know more, more about this Jesus, I pray. Lord, work in their heart to help them come to a saving faith today. Lord, through the highs and the lows, through the good times and the bad, help us never to take our eyes off of you, to knowing that you, our Heavenly Father, are for providing for us every single step of the way. Lord, help us to know this peace. We pray all these things in Christ, good and holy name. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, information, and events, check out our website at capitalcommunitychurch.com.